A reading from the book of Genesis. Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were lovely, and Rachel was graceful and beautiful. Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I shall serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love that he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her maid. When morning came, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this that you have done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, This is not done in our country, giving the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we shall give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as a wife. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the people. Thanks be to God. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for the good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, and who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, 
nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Another parable Jesus put before the crowds. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is old, what is new, and what is old. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. We have five more parables in today's Gospel reading. All of them begin, the reign or the kingdom of God is like... Have you ever noticed in reading the New Testament that nowhere are we told what the kingdom of God is? We're told over and over and over again what it is like, but never what it is. Um, I think that's intentional. It's supposed to be elusive. Um, We're not supposed to quite know when we've got it. But all of these parables about what it is like. So let's look at them one at a time and see what they might suggest. I'm going to start with the treasure hidden in the field. We're told somebody finds treasure in a field. What was he doing out there in the field? We're not told that. Was he plowing? If it was not his own field, what would he be doing plowing in it? Perhaps he's a tenant farmer, in which case he doesn't have a whole lot of money. But he finds this treasure. He stumbles on it. It wasn't what he was out there to do. He just stumbles on it. And when he has found it, goes and sells everything he has to buy that field. So what in your life have you stumbled on that turned out to be of real value? Perhaps it was a friendship that you formed when you didn't expect to. Somebody that you met at a, at a boring conference that you didn't really want to go to and it turns out to be a really great friend. Perhaps it was that course in college that you took on a whim and it turned out to be your career. What was it that you have stumbled on in your life? Maybe that church that you decided to attend driving down the street in the neighborhood and it turns out to be of great value. 
Then there's the pearl, the pearl of great price. This guy was looking for something. He was looking for a pearl. He was out there as a merchant looking for it and finds a pearl of great price, sells everything he has to get that one pearl. What in your life have you been looking for? And when you found it, you knew that you had found it. It sounds to me a little bit like a midlife crisis. You realize that the car isn't doing it, the house isn't doing it, the job isn't doing it, the fine clothes aren't doing it, and you're out there looking for that something whatever that something is, and maybe you volunteer somewhere and say, oh, that's what I was looking for. Or someone places a grandkid in your arms and you say, aha, that's what life is about. But you were looking for it. You knew something wasn't right, and then you found it. The mustard seed. This parable is very funny. Uh, Mustard seed in no means grows into be a tree. Um, If you've ever seen mustard plants, you know that they aren't very even shrubby, hardly enough to make a tree. Um, Growing up in Colorado, whenever somebody would stop farming a field, the mustard would take over in a year or two, um, and you'd just see fields of yellow. So no one in their right mind is going to plant mustard seed in their field um, because it's going to take over. I think it's a reference to Psalm 80. Um, God... The psalmist says that God has brought a vine out of Egypt and planted it in Zion, and it has spread out to cover the whole of the Middle East and towers over the cedars of Lebanon um, so that all of the people can come and make their nests, the bird can make their nests in its branches. Um, Of course, that's a reference to Israel sort of conquering that whole region. This, I think, is a reference to that scrappy little Christian community growing at the edges of the field, eventually taking over. It's inevitable. The kingdom is like that mustard seed. Once you've planted it in your life, once that you've found what you were looking for and put a little bit in your life, it's going to take over. Pretty soon it's going to be all mustard, so watch out. Same with the yeast. The yeast is ritually unclean when you're um, preparing bread for Passover or for any of the other high festivals. You have to get all of the yeast out of your kitchen. That's the first thing that you have to do. When you need, need the bread, you have to get it into the oven in a matter of minutes so that it doesn't have a chance to raise. Um, it's ritually unclean. So here's something that's unwanted. Um, a woman also sort of ritually sketchy, um, baking bread. And she takes a little bit of it and kneads it into gallons of flour, it says, and it leavens the whole business. Yesterday at the wedding of um, Alex and David, Nathaniel presented them a gift of a sourdough starter. And he said, it's 137 years old. You have to keep it in the refrigerator. But you just add a little sugar and a little water and a little flour and then take half of it off and keep it. 137 years it had been raising bread. So the kingdom is like that. Once you need a little bit of it into whatever it is that's important to you, it's going to take over. Its effects are going to cover the whole of your life. And then the net. Here again, Matthew wants to make this distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous, but you can read the parable otherwise. It's like a net that you throw into the sea, and when you pull it up on shore, it's got some good fish and some bad fish. You keep the good, you throw away the bad. 
Um, so once you've found whatever it was you were looking for in your life, not everything is going to line up, but, you know, the good stuff is there. Paul says much the same thing in this wonderful reading from the 8th the chap- the chapter of Romans. All things work together for the good for those who love God. We often hear that and think, nothing bad should happen in my life, right? That's what Paul means by that. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about his understanding of this mixed community of Jews and Gentiles. He says, Jesus, you know, God foreordained all of this so that Jesus would be the firstborn of a large family. Um, Paul saw this coming together of Jew and Gentile as God's purpose from the beginning. And so nothing can derail it. What can separate us, this community, from the love of God in Christ? Nothing. Not famine, not peril, not anything that you can think of. Sword. Once we've found the kingdom, once we know what it is we're working toward, nothing will take us off track. God is going to do it. It's inevitable. Those whom he had foreknown, he called. Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he glorified. This community, Paul is saying, is God's glory in the world, and God's not going to let anything happen to it. And then I don't know if it happened to you, but listening to that story of Jacob, I had to chuckle a little bit. Laban deceived Jacob, and Jacob wakes up in the morning and says, what is this? This is Leah. Jacob, the trickster, finally got his comeuppance. (laughs) Laban got him back. But he worked seven years for Rachel and thought it was but a day. Um, Once we've found whatever it is that God is calling us toward, any effort that we have to put into it seems like nothing. We're never told what the kingdom is. We're left to figure that out on our own. We're told what it's like. We're told these are the things that you're going to do when you've finally figured it out. But keep looking, keep figuring, keep hunting for that kingdom. What is it like? What does it look like? It's the gathering together of God's people. How are we doing that? How are we doing the things that we think God wants to do that bring glory to the world? I'm not going to answer the question because the Bible doesn't answer the question. Once we've figured that out, then we'll know it, we'll pursue it, and it will be inevitable. Amen.